This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Pantsuits, limitless vaccines, and a bundled up governor telling you to shut off your AC during a heat wave. Losers, losers, and more losers. Then Kurt Schilling is back in action and we have some viewers ready to ask him anything. The show starts now. doesn't officially begin for a couple of weeks, but since Starbucks and major retailers across the land didn't get that memo, we're following suit here on Fearless, kicking it off today with a cornucopia, a gourd, a September Thanksgiving feast of political losers. In keeping with our early fall, our autumnal theme, let's begin with California Governor Gavin Newsom, who, in the middle of a heat wave, wore a zip-up sweater and sat in an air-conditioned room to deliver an energy conservation message to peasants who, unlike him, are sweating their acorns off. Everyone has to do their part to help step up for just a few more days. Individuals, the state, industries, business, all doing their part to help reduce strain on the grid. Californians, you've rallied before, and we can do it again. Keep it up. Everyone has to do their part, except for Gavin, who delivered this flex alert from a location that was apparently so AC frosty, he had to bundle up. But meanwhile, senior citizens are forced to either bake in their homes or navigate through needles, urine, and feces to get to one of the state's cooling centers. California, the fifth largest economy of the third world, led by an egomaniac and a zip-up. Gotta love it. But speaking of wardrobe choices, next up is crooked Hillary Clinton, who will just not go away. But considering all of her lies, high crimes, and misdemeanors, I'm not sure why CBS felt the need to ask her about her freaking pantsuits, but here it is. A state visit to Brazil led to some compromising photographs. I was sitting on a couch and the press was let in. There were a bunch of them shooting up. Some of those photos were then used to sell lingerie. And all of a sudden the White House gets alerted to these billboards that show me sitting down with, I thought my legs together, but the way it's shot, it's sort of suggestive. And then I also began to have the experience of having photographers all the time. I'd be on a stage, I'd be climbing stairs, so and they'd creepy. be below me. It's so creepy. I just couldn't deal with it. So I started wearing like pants. Wait a damn minute. She wants us to believe upskirt photos of her were used to sell lingerie. Of all the lies that woman has told, that might be right up there with the most outrageous. Hillary, darling, no one, dead or alive, wants to see up your skirt, not even Bill. Moving on. This next and final loser of the week doesn't make me want to wear pants, but rather cover up my arms indefinitely, and you're about to hear why. The good news is you can get both your flu shot and COVID shot at the same time. It's actually a good idea. I really believe this is why God gave us two arms, one for the flu shot and the other one for the COVID shot. When I say these hacks view COVID as a religion, this is exactly the kind of crap I'm talking about. God gave us two arms for simultaneous vaccines? Are you kidding me, dude? But I'm sure it's the sixth shot that will really save the day. Sure. 
Not only will I not get a COVID vaccine, I sure as hell would not be getting an annual one. And no, that is not why God gifted me with two arms. Losers, losers, I tell you. They are limitless like COVID vaccines and liberal stupidity. But still ahead, Kurt Schilling is back, and this time he's taking your questions. That's next. Baseball might be our American pastime, but in the age of woke, it's starting to go down the tubes, too. Much of this may of what I assume are many of its players and fans, and now this. Remember those Pride Nights hosted by many, if not most, MLB teams back in June? Well, at least 20 of them supported LGBT groups that encourage or provide sex change and gender transition hormone treatment for minors as young as 12. So I've got some thoughts on this, but I'm sure so does my next guest, Kurt Schilling. All right, Kurt, I remember when they were doing this. And some of the players said, we don't want to wear the rainbows. We don't want to do this as Tampa Bay Rays players. And, of course, they were bigots and homophobes. But now we're finding out, yeah, all that LGBT stuff that you guys donated and promoted, yeah, kind of go into grooming young children. Uh, well, you hit on it, though. If you remember that whole movement and, and everybody was kind of doing sporadically different things, the only players you remember from that movement are the eight Tampa Bay Rays who didn't wear it because that's what the media focused on and that's what the media drew out. And it, it gets back to um, m appeasing the minority, the very, very min granular minority for the supermajority. And, and it, it, I think ultimately it's like everything else in sports. Follow the dollars. Right. They're not losing. Major League Baseball isn't appeasing to the LGBTQ community because they're filling stadiums. Right. They're doing that because those, those groups have proven powerful enough to go to sponsors and say, we're not going to support your product, even though they don't support the product anyway. Right. And it's costing dollars. And, and there's nothing, the only thing billionaires hate worse as owners than bad press is losing money. I wonder, though, it's one thing if you have rainbows all over everything. I think most people are fine with that, even if it goes against their personal values and beliefs. They're okay, a rainbow here and there, have a pride night. But when you find out that they're funding sex changes for minors... Child abuse, 12-year-olds. That, that is a little bit different, and I wonder if the MLB will ever have to answer to that or if it'll just go away. Well, I don't know about... what well, it. most of what we get worked up about, and we, we rightfully call out on the left goes away because the media makes it go away. I mean, the, if we haven't learned the power of the media in the last six years, seven years, then you're just never going to learn it. But the fact of the matter is you can't get into the armed forces uh, when you, if you suffer from gender dysphoria because it's right. termed a mental illness. What is it in a 12-year-old? Is it any different? Is, right. this, is this gender dysphoria for a 12-year-old? So basically these clubs are supporting groups that provide sex change to kids that have a diagnosed mental illness. Now, there's so many broken pieces in that, in that statement, you don't know where to begin. Well, and that baseball wants to sponsor that, it's a little weird. I mean, if you want to have your stuff, have your stuff. But, geez, baseball is supposed to be a family sport, and now you want to have America's the Pride pastime, Nights right? and the drag shows. Right. I mean, I was at a Marlins-Mets game, and they had the, you know, the drag performer out there, and I thought, you know... This is one thing if it's at the Grammys or the Tonys or whatever, but this is baseball. Well, it's, a little it's weird. A, it's a continued uh, push to make a very, very minutely small piece of our society. That's currency now. The, the, the LGBTQ, whatever other letters are there now, this is currency for them. The victimhood thing is working you know, wonderfully because they're on the front page and their stories are everywhere. And it's, you know, I was trying to think of an analogy last night and I, I couldn't come up with something, but it's like, you know, if you have 100,000 students at a college 
and 250 of them don't speak the language. Do you make 99,900 and or 500 people learn a new language? Or do you find a way to help these 250 people adapt? Yeah. Right? And we're, we're doing, we're, we're doing the opposite. We're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm glad you brought up um, a small part of the population because I'm sure you saw it last week. Darth Brandon delivering that wonderful speech, calling most of us, you know, enemies of the state. We have a clip of it just to refresh your memory. Let's take a look at this wonderful moment in time. We must be honest with each other and with ourselves. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. What's odd to me is that he mentioned things are not normal in our country. True. But then he wanted to talk about extremism. I don't know what's more extreme than gender transitions for 12-year-olds or burning and looting an entire country for an entire summer over George Floyd. But apparently it's the mega Republicans. What was your first thought well, when you heard him? He just attacked a group of people on the whole that are flag-waving, American-loving, law-abiding American citizens of every race, sex, creed, and color, and religion. Well, speaking of Biden's speech, though, I don't think he wrote it. I don't think no. it was his idea. I think he does have contempt for mega Republicans, but I think, quite frankly, he doesn't really know what he is or what he's doing unless someone tells him what to say and what to do. And I think he's got people working for him that are 20-something-year-old radicals out of college that said, this is what you need to do. Go after Trump and the mega Republicans. And of course he did it. But I don't even know if it's him at this point. Well, it's not. There's no chance it is. Be and all you have to do is watch just clips and sound bites of stuff. He, it's uncomfortable. And it's it's not a funny thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, he has some sort of Alzheimer's, dementia. Uh, as someone who's experienced it, in their own, I, I've seen it. And, and, you know, shame on his wife for allowing him to be put out in public and embarrassed and humiliated like this. But this guy's been in politics for 50 years. Right. He's never done a thing. He's been a lifelong segregationist. He's been, he passed the most racist set of legislation. He didn't pass it, he wrote it, he authored it. That put more black men behind bars than anybody since the late 1800s. I mean, this is a guy who for 50 years never, and I've met him and I've known him for, I met him 20, 20 some years ago trying to get legislation for ALS passed. And it just, people give off a vibe. Everything about him is creepy. And I'm talking as a male. I can't even imagine. Really? Oh, just creepy. Even to you? To, when just you met around him, just, just touchy-feely, very uncomfortable and awkward. My wife, who's a beautiful woman, um, it, it was very uncomfortable watching him navigate a room. Just really, uh, I'll say Bill Clinton was the most polished human being I've ever met as a politician. He could work a room and run a room like nobody I've ever seen. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about, you know, American values and things because... There's been, you know, a latest cover this week, and my friend Pierce Morgan talked about it. You know, he's from the UK. He's he's British, so his take is a little different. But uh, one of our favorites, Kim Kardashian, graced the cover, and they they titled it "The American Dream." And the photo's <laughs> right there. And I want your thoughts. Okay. It, is this this is a setup? The by American the way. Dream. You're totally setting me up. Well, this it's a topic. I mean, I'll give you my thoughts on it. But this is this was really billed as 
This is the American okay. dream. I'm a red-blooded American male. What do you think I think about that picture? <laughs> but is it the American dream? I, uh, come on. For It might be for somebody at Loyola Marymount, some college athletes, but I mean, I'm looking at that picture going, okay, nah. <laughs> what, what, do, what do I say to I that? I just wonder, and I, it's not even so much about the photo. It's a beautiful photo. I'm a woman, a straight An woman. An American and it, teenage boy's dream might have been more appropriate. But I think, but, what, come on, I think what they're trying to say, though, is that what she's been able to do and the fact that she can stand there in front of an American flag with her pants down, that is what we value in America now. And golf flap. as much as we would like to say that maybe that's not the case, everything indicates that that's kind of the case. Well, I, I bet you, and I would bet very comfortably large amounts of money, that a larger percentage of college graduates know who that is than know who the president was during the Civil War. Or know who the vice president was. I would even give a, I would say, have them tell you who the Secretary of State is today. Right. They couldn't tell you. But, but that is... That is a modern, I don't want to say American dream because it's not American dream. What the Kardashian brand has become is nothing short of breathtaking, all off of a pornographic videotape. I mean, my God, if that's not an argument for porn, I don't know what is. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is when I look at that as a, I mean, she's a beautiful woman. I don't see anything more, anything like that. I don't see an American dream. I see a woman who's colored her hair for the 58th time, who's pretty, and she's making money off of that. That's yeah. Well, you, you can do that in this world today. What's weird now is people are making money in weird places. People in are making ways. money in OnlyFans selling foot pictures. And I don't know what it says about society. <laughs> I don't know if it says that people are entrepreneurs and yeah. they're inventive. Or are we just that sick that that's what it's come to? The second one, I think, is probably more appropriate. I think, I think it's very comfortable for me. I've always been very comfortable saying in the last decade, the farther away from the Bible and the dinner table this nation has gotten, the farther down the rabbit hole we've gone. I grew up at my dinner table. I got my head smacked when I did stupid stuff, and I had to sit there and eat all my food because I grew up in a, a you know lower middle income class, middle income family. But that's where you lived, and that's where you grew up. That's no longer the case now. And you know the left hatred of God is palpable, and it's it's reason. Well, MAGA Americans, mm-hmm. they're the enemy. Right. Most of the MAGA Americans I know are all. God-fearing, law-abiding citizens. Right. Neither one of those things is a negative. Now they're both used to label people as extremists. Right. Well, it's because they don't talk to half of the country. They really do look well, at the right. coastal elites. And the people in the middle that are those mega-Republicans, people like where I come from in South Dakota that people just gloss over, and they would like to just label us something because they don't really want to talk to us and they don't really want to consider us. Well, you and us. I are mega-Americans. Right. We, we, we don't agree on everything. But we certainly don't have any contempt or hatred for each other. I respect right. your right and your opinion. And, and that, but that's how we got as far as we got before all this stuff happened was the, the Democrats I grew up with don't, no longer exist. They're Republican. Were they happy with that speech last week, the Democrats that you know? Did they look at that and say, mm, this is too far? Or did they say, that's our guy? Uh, I think in Hollywood, it was a standing ovation. Uh, I think in D.C. it was a standing ovation. Um, I think in the media it was a standing ovation, uh, which are the only three places that matter to the left anymore because that's the only place they can have a voice. They're not the majority. They're not even close to the majority. Do you think some Democrats were turned off by it? Oh, uh, the uh, Democrats that we grew up with, yeah. Democrats that are left of center, 
looked at that and went, what the hell are you doing? Enough to not vote for it again? He's not running next time. Enough I, to not vote for that party again, well, though. Because they're not going to stop with that message. It's not him. No, 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 so no. So whoever does run in 2024, Gavin Newsom's going to come after MAGA Republicans even harder than Joe Brandon did. He might, Yeah, but Gavin Newsom might be like Hillary 1A. Like, I'm excited for him to announce. Because the ignorance and stupidity on his resume is approaching Clinton-esque proportions. Yeah. I mean, he, his state just said... We're going to ban gas cars by 2035. 30, oh, and by the way, don't charge your electric car this <laughs> yeah. week because we have no power. Right. Like, okay, really? The campaign ads again, write themselves. Again, the cognitive dissonance, and people need to look that term up because it's so fitting yeah. for the left. Like, it's it's staggering. Like, yeah. it's almost, it is, it is, we're at a point now, don't stop them from talking. Because, my God, they're their own worst enemy, and they have no idea how stupid they sound when we let them run. We're going to switch gears now, though, to some viewer questions. And uh, I had a lot of questions for you, but here's a couple via video. So let's take a listen to the first one, and then we'll get your answer. Hey, Kurt. This is Russell Matthews from Huntsville, Alabama. My question for you is how did it feel being the three-time defending World Series champion, New York Yankees, when you're with the Arizona Diamondbacks back in 2001? Uh, well, I mean, listen, beating the Yankees is a blissful thing in any existence. I mean, that was, um, it was the reason I went to the Red Sox um, because that was a hump that I think that in many ways they felt they couldn't get over. But I always felt good and was excited about to be the best, you got to go through the best. And the Yankees are the most, achieved team successful team in history baseball so going through them in 01 and then again in 04 was it was certainly not easy but it was fun it was a lot I mean it it made those memories very different than they might have otherwise been speaking of the Yankees who's the MVP you think this year so um let's talk there's a there's an analogy I have Tom Brady Tom Brady is now and has become, I think, in the last five or ten years, a victim of his own greatness. He's so good that people just, well, yeah, he's having a Tom Brady year. I think you're seeing Shohei Otani suffer the same fate. He's doing things that no one alive has ever seen before, no one's ever going to see. So if you're talking about true value, it's not even close. He's the most valuable player in the game by a landslide. But now it's like, oh, the pitcher and hitter thing, yeah, but he's just a one-off. Well, that yep. one, you know, it's like Mike Trout. His first five years, he's first or second in the MVP voting. He should have won them all. But he be, you become a, you're so good that you become a victim. You compete against yourself in the sports writer, in the media. And so, you know, the problem is that you have, for the most part, a group of just brain-dead idiots voting. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's another question that we had for you. Oh, good. About uh, baseball writers. <laughs> and, you know, they get the first say in the Hall of Fame, obviously to the detriment of, of people like you, but, but should it be really, that though. way? And, and why should – I know that you don't – it doesn't matter to you as much because you, you're you not placating Well, it mattered that. until I realized it, it didn't matter what I thought or how I acted. Right. Um, let's be clear about something. And this I say this, uh, and I'm not a liberal, so I don't – include every, there are always exceptions to the rule. For every Jason Stark and Tim Kirchin, phenomenal human beings and great writers and people who have written bad stuff about me, but they're honest and they love the sport. There are 10 Dan Shaughnessy's in the world. 
this is a group of people who, despite the fact that I never did any of the characterist things that they said I did, I compared Islamic extremists to Nazis. I mean, historically, that's factually correct. But my character was in question. This is a group of people who voted in and still support a known child molester in Bill Conlon in the Writers' Wing of the Hall of Fame. They're questioning my character. So uh, it's like a lot of things for me when I look at the left. The people in the media that despise me and all the things they've said about me, that means I'm morally and ethically living my life right. Because these are bad, just bad people. So I'm okay with that. And they have sports writers voting for the Hall of Fame would be like asking the media to pick our president. Right. Well, <laughs> that's not too far off. But exactly. Yes. But, but my mm -hmm. point is they have don't have any – most of them have fewer qualifications than the smartest sports fans I've known. Right. But they just have a mic. They're some of the dumbest people. But, but you remember Jim Rome when mm -hmm. Jim yep. Everett went over the table at him? That's what this is about. This is about, I don't care if you're the most informed, smart sports guy. I just need you to say stuff that's going to light up the phones. Mm -hmm. So it has nothing, very little to do with facts and reality. And it's the same thing in the media, um, in the political media. It's about saying things to push an agenda or saying things to generate callers. And the sports media is, excuse me, I think I saw a number two years ago, 86% identify as liberal. Which is odd because I wouldn't, think at least in baseball that 86% of players or viewers or fans would identify as liberal. Well, but it makes sense. 86% of sports writers are liberal because they're college graduates. Right. Right. And colleges, we know now, just lefty dominated, hardcore left, radical left ideology. And you come out of college and it's getting to the point now where the stupidest people I know and have met are college graduates. What's, what's odd is, I mean, I won't. I won't even drag him into it, but my fiancé works in sports media. Um, he is, if anybody is unaware, a conservative. Sorry to, you know, break the news. Yeah. He's going to marry me. I think that that's a pretty good tip. But the people that he works with that played the game are conservative. The people that he works with that never played the game but talk about the game, flaming liberals. Yeah. Weird. Well, again, to be a professional athlete, you have to have a lot of conservative values. You have to earn your way. You have to be accountable. You have to work harder than everybody else. You know, people talk about you threw a ball for a living. Well, the problem with that analogy is that I worked harder and was better at something than most people were at everything in their life combined. And it it took things from me, you know, from my childhood and whatever. And it was incredibly rewarding. But all of the things you found you find as basic conservative values are rooted in extreme athletic um but I, and people have asked me this i would tell you in a locker room with 25 players 20 of them were conservative for the most part every team i ever played on yeah you again you had to be you had to be right because accountability is a big thing it's 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 completely absent on the left and it's a very predominant character trait on the right right and you have to have that right to be well, successful at anything well but, but at 705 you can't bullshit Right. When the lights go on, everybody gets to see your work day. My next question for you, and this is one we got repeatedly for you, and I'm interested to hear. Let's play it. Hi, this is Brian Wood from Richmond, Virginia, lifelong Red Sox fan. My question for Kurt Schilling is, where, where is the infamous sock? Is it in Cooperstown? Did Jason Veritek steal it? You still have it hidden somewhere? Thanks. 
So uh, there's there were two socks. Okay, the first one in Yankee Stadium, I threw away after the game. Really? Yes. Uh, after I peeled it off my leg. And you didn't think maybe I should save this in nope. the moment? No? no, we just beat the Yankees in game six to go to game seven. Like, that was not even a thought. But it was also really, really bloody and and stuck to my f- leg. And I remember taking it off in the training room and throwing it in the garbage. You don't think I, anybody maybe snatched it up? <laughs> I absolutely could see one of the Yankee clubhouse guys having it at his house. The second one uh, was in the Hall of Fame with my shoes. Now, the important thing about the Hall of Fame display was that um, after game six in New York, when I realized the media tension around the ankle, uh, I, I, my wife and I had been and have been working with ALS our whole lives, my whole professional life. So I knew that the cameras were gonna be all over my foot. So I wrote K-A-L-S on my spike and uh, that's still in the Hall of Fame, which is awesome because it there's a, there's right. a but the sock, uh, Got auctioned off um, when 38 Studios, the software company that I was running, was going bankrupt. I was trying to raise money to to keep the company up, and I auctioned it off. And then some guy bought it, and I think it just got auctioned off again. How much? Uh, it was ninety-two thousand the first time, and I'm not sure what the second time it was. And like I was offended, like <laughs> only nine. I thought like, well, this is like one of the you know. Yeah. But. Um, and then people, I, so many people have asked me about that, and like, you know, don't you want it? And I, no, I wore it. I mean, I, yeah. I don't need to wear it again. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I got the ring. There you go. All right, and then the next couple of questions were written in via my Instagram. The first one I'm going to read for you: Do politics ever come up in the locker room conversations, or at least did they? Yes. Later in my career, uh, uh, the beginning of the end for me in sports, me in in the sports world from a, a character perspective was the day I said vote Bush. Right. After we won the 2004 World Series, of people in in the New England went were were apoplectic. Um, but yes, and not not often. The the one guy who I had very deep conversations with, who is a Still unbelievable to me, a very radical liberal is Gabe Kapler. Um, he's Jewish. He's liberal. Um, he and I went at it, and it was always really, to me, good. Because it always ended with us laughing and making fun of each other. See, and that's how it should be. Right, right. Yeah. And that's how it is in a locker room. Like, is at the end of the day, after our conversation, you are putting the same uniform on. Is it that way now, though, I wonder? I don't with, think it's talked about. No, no, I don't think it's talked about now. Because I think a lot of athletes, and, and I, I keep going back to this. If you look, and I, I don't, I'm not proud to claim this, but I think I was the bellwether for the cancel culture. I was the yeah. first person to get truly canceled because of my political beliefs or my social media beliefs. And um, I think a lot of athletes have seen that, and it's just not worth it. And I don't blame them. I really don't, because the media is irrational and illogical. Like I said, the only... The only news out of LGBTQ Pride Month for Major League Baseball were the eight Tampa Bay players who didn't wear it. That's it. It's not worth it. There's the the game is hard enough as it is. You, you know, it, it's I think who somebody in Boston said I think it was in Boston talked about you know you had to play the media game before the game itself and then the media game after every day. Yeah, that's hard enough in some big markets without having to add all that crap onto it. And so no, I don't. I wish more would do it because I think the world would be stunned at the at the 
the volume of, of conservatives in sports. At least in baseball, I think that would be the case. But that kind of leads into the next question we got for you, which is how much support have you received from your former teammates after everything? Anybody reach out when all the stuff you canceled, they talked to you about it? Is there any conversations? No, not really. Really? Does that surprise no, you? No. Yeah. No. I think one of the things, and it really came up to me, my friends that I'm still, you know, one of the things that's hard for everybody to understand is baseball players, I don't talk to every teammate I ever had every day right. of every week of every year. You know, there's only 24 hours in a day and your circle of friends can only be so big, right? Um, where I think that impacted me the most was during the 10 years I was on the Hall of Fame ballot. The things that were being said about me, obviously, weren't even remotely true. Right. And there were writers that knew it. Guys like, and, and I understand why they didn't come out in my defense, but guys like Tim Kirkton and Jason Stark and Rob Bradford, and, and there's a litany of guys who know none of the stuff people were saying about me is even remotely true. Not one of them ever came out and said, that's ridiculous. In private, did they ever say anything nah. to you? No, I think because they were afraid I might go public and say, yeah. look what the, and I wouldn't. But, but I think that was probably the most disheartening thing was that, that those guys, because I'm that guy. David Ortiz, the day he got voted into the Hall of Fame, I remember somebody talking about steroids, and I said, well, stop. Never, ever, never, ever failed the test. Never. Never failed the test. I, I'm the guy that will speak up to, yeah. the, to the detriment of the, the, the flat lashback. But the lashback is coming from people that don't know me. Right. So I don't care. And my dad always said, don't ever live your life to get the approval of people you don't know. And so it may, it's made it easier to, to wade through this, and it's probably something you need yeah. and do live by as well. Oh, it abs people ask me all the time, what is it like to be hated? It's like, right. what do you mean? Right, because people that know you know. And that's right. what I always say. People that know me know. My family knows. My friends know. And that's not a big circle of, of intimate friends. but um, It's still got to be disappointing. It. When yeah, you dedicate your life, no, when you dedicate your career yeah, to something and your life for many, many years to something, and people know the kind of person you are, but then they get a chance to pile on and they choose to pile on, it's or they choose not too. to defend you. That's yeah, what I said. Like I'm that guy. Just kind of stay quiet. It, it's it's dis disappointing. Is probably the right word. I mean, um, I sleep soundly at night because I know the people that hate me are bad, bad people. Hey, I think that's a perfect way to end it. Yeah. We appreciate you as always. always I got a lot a of everyone. People are gonna love your your baseball answers because thank they've you. been asking me since I first had you on to answer those questions. So That's fun. So I always like talking about baseball. Well, we love it, and we love talking about just pure baseball too. All right, and then politics as well. All right, up next, Jennifer Lawrence isn't counting sheep, but she is counting tuckers. And my final thoughts are next. Jennifer Lawrence is woke, but when she's dreaming, it's about Fox News and Tucker Carlson, and I have some final thoughts. It all started on Wednesday, November 9th, 2016, the day we ventured down the road of making America great again. But sadly, that lasted only four wonderful years before idiots, morons, functioning zombies, vote-by-mail Brandon into office. But there was and is a phenomenon that lasted and continues to last far longer than our former president's term in the White House. It's called Trump derangement syndrome, and remarkably, it is alive well and here to stay. TDS comes in many forms and various names, but make no mistake, it's still TDS. 
Just ask Hollywood actress Jennifer Lawrence, who doesn't fall asleep counting sheep, but rather Tucker Carlson's. Lawrence told Vogue magazine she has reoccurring nightmares starring Fox News' very own Tucker Carlson, and apparently it is so bad, she speaks to her therapist about it. I'm no dream expert, but this reoccurring nightmare doesn't sound like a nightmare at all, but rather an obsession. But that wasn't the only bizarre and head-scratching revelation that came out of J-Law's interview. She also discussed a family rift that was caused by the election of Donald Trump and then the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Apparently, her Kentucky family isn't as sophisticated as their actress' daughter. She added that she doesn't want to disparage her family, but wonders how they could raise a daughter from birth and believe she doesn't deserve equality. Mind you, she said all this in an interview for her cover of her Vogue magazine while promoting her new movie. She's also won an Oscar, a Golden Globe, and was at one point the highest paid actress in Hollywood. But folks, the oppression, the inequality is stifling, really. So she blames her conservative Kentucky family for her not getting paid enough in Hollywood, which is run by liberals, pedophiles, and sexual predators. But yes, Jennifer, it's Donald Trump and Kentucky's fault. You don't make the extra millions you think you're worth. You freaking nailed it, babe. Folks, these babbling Hollywood buffoons wouldn't really know inequality, oppression, or strife if it came up and bit them in the tush. The irony of making millions and then turning around and demonizing your roots for holding you back is just really something. And like I said, there's a name for it. It's TDS. I'm playing the world's smallest violin for Jennifer Lawrence and the lady parts she blames for her pay gap. And those are my final thoughts. Make sure you check out the whole show on Outkick.com as well as exclusive content. And make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Tommy Laren from Nashville. God bless and take care. Queen Elizabeth, Britain's longest reigning monarch, served as the face of Great Britain for seven decades. And she died today at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. She was 96 years old. And of course, we are keeping the royal family and all of Great Britain in our thoughts and our prayers.